Hello, hello there. My name is Maureen with my co-host Corey. We are The Real Guys and this is The Real Show with two ears. We are very happy to bring you this show today and as always I'm accompanied by my co-host Corey. How are you doing today Corey? I'm doing very well thank you. Excellent, it's nice to hear you. So what we're going to be doing today is it's a bit of a reshuffle you mm-hmm. can say. Would you say it's a bit of a reshuffle? We were supposed to be doing Moon Knight this week. We were, we were. But because Moon Knight's finale is airing on Wednesday and we're recording this on Monday, yes. we don't actually know what the Moon Knight finale is going to be like. No, we don't. So we're going to have to wait until next week to review it. So for this week, we're going back into Star Wars month, aren't we? We're going back into our May the 4th Star Wars month. It's actually May the 2nd, two days until May the 4th. Yes, it is. And this is our sort of May the 4th Star Wars celebratory episode and we're doing it with something we used to do, which was... Um, we used to do top fives, if you can remember. Yeah, we did. Back, the, the old-fashioned real show listeners will remember that back in my day, we used to do top fives. We do top five, like, uh, Marvel heroes, top five everything, right? Top five 2000 shows, shows in the 2000s. Do you remember that? Shows in the 2000s. I do. But now we're doing top five sort of Star Wars select things. You can remember if you, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, at The Real Show on YouTube, The Real Double E L mm-hmm. Show on YouTube, then you can watch our top five starfighters. We looked at Star Wars aircraft and spaceships, our top five starfighters. And now we're bringing you top five Star Wars droids. Yes. Top five Star Wars capital ships. Correct. And, st- and top five Star Wars background characters. There you go. In that now, order. In that order. I'll provide a definition as we go yes. for what we're going to be. And this is in no particular order. We say top five because it's just us listing off yes. the favorites that we've found. Yes. Right? Correct. Was, is that good of enough of a description? Or people know what I'm about. People know what top five is. Exactly. People, exactly. I feel like people are, you know, enough babble. You get it. You know. Yeah, exactly. People get it. Audience get it. Yeah, everyone gets it. So, would you like me to kick this off? Go for it. Who's your first droid? A droid. Now, we define the rules for this as, for droids and capital ships, any Star Wars media doesn't count. It can be films. It yeah. can be TV. It can mm-hmm. be animation. It can be comics. It can be video games. Anything. Any Star Wars related product these droids can come from, right? Also, doesn't have to be canon. Does rest have to be canon? Yeah. I think um, a couple of mine are non- non-canon. A non-canonical, couple of from the legends. Couple of legends. Right, I think. Okay. Okay. Great. Uh, I think all of mine are canon. So okay. Except for maybe one, but there's a, but there's a bit of a funny one on that one. Okay. But there's a bit of a funny overlap. However, and also characters count. So yeah. obviously you won't be seeing R2D2 and C3PO no. in these top fives, unfortunately. It's too obvious. But we know they're great characters, but they are too obvious. Yes. So we're going to bring you a bit of a few couple of deep cuts today, probably. Yeah. That's what I call a deep cut, maybe. My, yeah. I'm going to kick it off with my number five. Here you droids. go. And I'm bringing you, it's two actually. Okay. Some of our choices, we have picked two instead of one. Yes. Right? It's two right off the bat. It is the uh, Octoptara Combat Magna Tri-Droid and the IG-227 Hailfire Droid Tank. Okay. Um, now, these are two vehicles, and we discussed this beforehand, that a vehicle that is inherently still a droid, it's not controlled by an organic being, if it mm-hmm. is controlled by a computer brain, if it is defined as a droid, then it is allowed. Whether it moves, whether it's big, whether it's small, it still counts as a droid. Yes. Uh, the he- the Hellfire droid is one of my personal favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this as a Lego set as a kid. Uh, it's a massive droid tank that rolls on two wheels. Uh, it's called a, a Hellfire. It's made by the Higher Child Engineering Company and and also the Intergalactic Banking Clan uh, for debt collection. Actually, that's nice. funny about that because obviously nothing says debt collection <laughs> like a giant rocket uh, <laughs> rocket barrage droid tank, right? Yeah. Nothing says pay your taxes other than that. <laughs> okay. And I, I, the design of this droid is great. It appears in Attack of the Clones in the Battle of Geonosis. It never appears in the Clone Wars, unfortunately. Uh-huh. But it's able to roll rapidly into action. It's got the two massive wheels, the two type tank treads, huge like hoop wheels, and it fights for the, the droid army, for the for the uh, for the separatists and the Confederacy of Independent Systems. So it's got two huge missile launcher pods on either side, mm-hmm. and it can use 15 sort of guided missile warheads, long-range rockets, to take out ATTs and, and walkers and things like that. Nice. So, And it was also developed into um, into a wheel bike. If you can remember in Episode 3, General Grievous, mm-hmm. that's sort of hailfire technology. He uses um, the TSM-EU-6 personal wheel bike. Nice. So there you go. And But I like the hailfire, great design. Um, it's... One of those really cool, unique vehicles, like especially in Episode Two, where all the droid army is sort of unveiled. You have these great, you really unique droid designs. I quite like that. So, 
I feel like uh, I feel like the Hellfire is a nice thing to get this thing started off with. Nice. So and it was helping to sort of differentiate in the Battle of Genosis. Uh, ILM added these as sort of an extra addition to sort of help differentiate, you know, the separatist vehicles from the Republic vehicles because they were concerned they looked sort of similar. So, and there was, um, and also they fired those purple rockets with the black streams of smoke. So, I like that. So, and there's also differentiate the sort of color because the gunships fire white rockets and these, the Hellfire droids fire sort of black and purple smoky rockets. My next choice was the Octoptara tri-droid mm-hmm. and as a three-legged uh, walking droid, it's got three cannons that rotate and three huge spiky legs. Now, this is these two are quite personal picks to me. Okay. This this was never made into a Lego set, but I actually had sort of the the toy of it. Yeah. I remember going to Toys R Us and seeing this big massive droid set and going, oh, "I want that." You know, I picked it from the Clone Wars because it's in the Battle of Christophsis. You see these droids walking in the background, and it's quite a complicated name, but it's effectively a sort of huge walker droid. The, the combat version is a smaller one, and the sort of Magna version is uh, much taller. The combat one stood at about three meters, mm-hmm. and the Magna droid stood at about fourteen meters, so much bigger. Nice. So they're the two. They're also called uh, virus droids because they're known to carry uh, biological plagues and sort of gas weapons and stuff like that. So they're 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 huge and these monstrous droids are walking across the separatist battlefield fighting for the droids. And also like the early concept because these were developed for Episode Three yeah. um, and used in the background of the Battle of Utapau. Uh, but a concept for them actually had them on wheels. Rolling at them on little struts instead of big walking claws, had them actually rolling around on wheels. Mm-hmm. So, the huge, big, sort of bulbous head and the cannons that come down the bottom. So just really two, two really unique looking droids and really good like separatist sort of armament. So I okay. like those picks. Okay, nice. And you're number five. So this is the only one looking at my list. This is the only one that's a character. Okay. All, all mine. Oh no, all, all mine. Some of them are also characters. This is named. Right, so yeah, this is only one of two, I think, or three that are named. Everyone here likes a good battle droid. We love right? a good battle droid here. Roger, like, roger. Exactly, good old Phantom Menace, right? You said a battle droid. We love a good battle droid. Yes. Now, what's better than a battle droid than a red battle droid? Oh, wow. I'm going for Mr. Bones. Mr. Bo- not Mr. Bones. <laughs> I'm going for Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones. <laughs> oh. Mr. Bones is essentially just a massively modified B1 battle droid. Yeah. And he, he likes fighting people essentially he does he's a very he aggressive droid he's got a knife for a hand yeah he's red and black he's got bones on him mm. it's a, a weird and it's canon it exists yeah it's, it's real it's in the aftermath books uh, yep. built by Temin Wexley or Snap Wexley mm-hmm. from uh, it was made by Greg Grunberg in The Force Awakens and the uh, Rise of Skywalker I believe he dies in The Rise of Skywalker but, he, uh, yeah he also gets killed by uh, an, a, an A-Wing yeah Friendly fire. Oh, does he? He gets killed. Yep. Oh. He gets disintegrated in a friendly fire incident by two A wings. Oh, dang. Yeah. But that's a very snap way to go out, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, he's the he's the protagonist <laughs> of the aftermath trilogy. So, and he, Mr. Bones is his kind of his companion. Yeah. His re- beaten one battle droid. I like, so. I like, I like. To be fair, I, I just picked him because it's most of my picks are kind of aesthetically. Recent, recently featured in the uh, Skywalker Saga Lego game. Oh, is he in that? Yep. Ah. He's in there as an extra character. You have to unlock him via a cheat code, I think. Oh, very nice. Um, but he is included in there. He's playable. I wonder if that's why you picked him. No, I just happened to find him. Okay, because one of mine is also in the Skywalker saga. That's why I picked that. But, <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah, new, he's, he's kind of become a bit of a hot character recently because people are discovering him as, in the Skywalker saga. I'm going, who is this weird yeah. red battle droid with a knife arm and calling him Bones and stuff? Yeah. Mr. Bones. You know, but he's from the books. He's from the novels. So There we go. This is my name character, one of two name characters. Okay. This is from the Clone Wars. This is General Kalani, a uh, a tactical droid. He is a CT series super tactical droid. Mm-hmm. This sort of souped up version of the regular T series battle droid. Super smart, strategic, uh, calculating thinker. He's relied on precise calculations uh, when dealing with sort of unexpected enemies or opponents. He was sent to Onderon to deal with General Kalani. Was he was sent to Onderon to deal with uh, the rebels using his droid army forces to to push the rebels back and to contain uh, the, the capital city of Andoron. Eventually, sort of, the rebels overwhelmed the droids and they were pushed back from the highlands, so Kalani had to sort of retreat and take his forces away and they and they pulled out of Andoron. And then they were taken to... Um, they were taken to a separate planet um, called Agamar, where their droid, uh, their droid control ship crashed and they were preserved until the Civil War, where they ended up fighting against the Empire. Nice. So... Because uh, all the droids were shut down at the end of 
Revenge of the Sith, as you know, because mm-hmm. um, after the execution of Order 66, basically the Separatist armies weren't needed, so they were all told to shut down by the control ships. But because Kalani was so intelligent, he thought the, the shutdown command was actually a, a Republic trap, so he prevented it. <laughs> so he prevented it, so all of his droids stayed online. So they were all online and actually formed a, a sort of resistance cell against the Imperials on Agamar, so... Oh, okay. And he shows up in the Clone Wars, and he shows up in Rebels. Nice. And I really like his character. He's really—he's voiced by uh, Greg Berger, who also voices uh, Grimlock in Transformers. Nice. So that's why he's the T-Rex Transformer. So I quite—I quite like Kalani for that reason, and also because he's a cool design of a droid. I like the super yeah. tactical droids. That makes sense. I like the super tactical droids. So there you go. That is my pick. It is General Kalani. Nice. My number two. I know you're familiar with this one. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's played the uh, Fallen Order game is going to be familiar with this one. Oh, dear. My number four. Now, you're saying that you might have this one as well. Uh, maybe. Uh, mine is BD1. Oh, nice pick. Do you have BD1? No. You don't? Oh, okay, you've got someone else. Okay, well, I've got... I'm I've, familiar with BD1. I've picked BD1. He is your companion. He's Cal Kestis' little droid buddy. Mm-hmm. Shows in the map. You can scan various things. He's a very useful... Runs on his kind of hops on his back. Yeah, gives you stim packs. Exactly. He's just a very nice, kind of just a little companion for oh, the he's game. Oh, he's so cute, isn't he? Just exactly. Just around his little, on his little legs. I mean, not much is known, fully, because no. Fallen Order, you kind of see where they meet and what happens. Yeah. There's a Fallen Order 2, mm. there'd be more than that. He could appear in Kenobi, who knows at this point. Uh, a BD droid has appeared in The Mandalorian. It has. It's not, it's not BD-1. It's not BD-1. It's not BD-1. It's just a BD unit. Or at least not currently. It's been confirmed yeah. as BD-1. And also very prominent in... Um, he's been showed up in a Lego set. He showed yes. up in the Mandalorian Starfighter, his M1 Starfighter. And we're also getting uh, a, a sort of a scale BD-1. Sort of like there's actually accurate to how big he is, but he's built in Lego. No, they did like an R2-D2 like yes. that. They did a BB-8 like that. They're doing a BD-1. Oh, okay. So as well, that comes with that little minifigure, but it's also just a scalable brick-built yeah. BD-1 is what I should call it. I just think he's a bit a bit underrated. He's cute, yeah. Doesn't get mentioned much. Bit underrated as a droid companion. As far as yes, exactly. As far as a personal droid companion goes, I think he's quite good. Right. I'd, I'd pick BD one. My number three yep. is I'm going to go right to the other edge. You're choosing a little cute little droid that sort of goes <laughs> round and goes beep boop, right? Here we go. Um, I've chosen the HMP droid gunship. Oh. Right. If you're familiar with these things, I am not. Right. Okay. Uh, the HMP droid gunship is effectively just a giant droid. It's just a massive missile platform that that flies around with eyes and with guns. It's literally the HMP stands for heavy missile platform. Nice. And ah, these things. Effectively, the droid, the, dro- the separatist answer to the LAAT Republic gunship. Yes, yes. Right? Um, it's developed by Bactoid Fleet Ordnance, and again, hire Charles Engineering, who make most of the droids. Um, the HMP droid gunship was known for massive salvos of fire. It's covered in blasters. It's covered in missile pods. It's uh, it's lethal flying around the battlefield, and it's got ray shielded as well. It's just a huge platform for all of this ordnance and all these weapons. It's got long range sensors. It's got deflector shields. It's got ray shields. It's got targeting scanners and sensors. It's got medium laser cannons. It's got double laser cannons. It's got it's got missile pods. It's got light laser cannons on the wingtips. It's armed to the it's armed to the teeth. <laughs> I was going to say how are you going to keep going that far? I know it's got it's armed <laughs> to the teeth, and that's why I really like it. It can actually it can carry droids into battle. Like droids can like jump on the back. It's got a flat surface on the back of the mm. gunship. It's like a platform. So you can actually jump onto the back. A droid can jump onto the back and be sort of ferried into battle by these things. So they're like drop ships as well. Yeah. And they can also, the bottom of them can be fitted with racks so they can carry like super battle droids and B1s. You see that in the Clone Wars. So these also appear in the Battle of Kashyyyk in episode three. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sort of sort of fly down by the water and see them flying down. Um, they also appear in the Clone Wars in season six on Onderon actually, under the command of General Kalani. So. And you see them uh, like on Dathomir and when Grievous attacks Kenobi's fleet several times, you know. You see them sort of flying around and bringing droids. So. And they're also good for space faring as well. Yeah. Not only can they do atmospheric contact, atmospheric combat, flying around in the over the water or over the land, they can also fly in space. So Nice. A bit heavier, but I, I do like them. So that is the HMP droid gunship. Okay. Uh, I've got another one. Mm-hmm. I think all mine, actually. I, I, I've looked at it and gone, oh, yeah, only one of them's named. I think all of mine, technically. In fact, BD1's not named. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are named. Except for one, one of one. Uh, this, this one, I'm going to... This is a bit out there. I, you'll know who it is. Uh, I'm going to... Okay. My number three is Bucket. Bucket? Do you know Bucket? Uh, the name rings a bell. Bucket is an R1J5. Okay. Is a is kind... It's got, like, the body of, like, an R2 unit. 
Right. But he's got a different head. He used to oh, be... He's from Resistance. Yes. Stars Resistance. He raced. He was a former racing droid. He used to race with a guy called Jarrett Jaeger. Yeah. And then eventually, they just kind of set up their own, like, little, little mechanic you know, yeah. going to fix some stuff, and he walks around, he's got a helmet on mm. to my name is Racing Day. Again, he's just a nice little kind of... That's little droid, yeah. A little small droid. We don't, we, we don't see R1s around. We see R2 units. They're the more popular yes. unit of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. The R1 are a bit antiquated, but... I, I like us. He's got the sort of a frame of an R two unit, but his yeah. head's different. I think that's how they define the R series is the Astromechs. Yeah, is the fact they've got the R ones have sort of that sort of little camera head, and the R twos have more of a dome dome head. Yes, and he's he's just a little droid that has a helmet on and just helps fix his stuff. Yeah, it's in Res- I, I really, you know, Resistance underrated series. Yeah, the second season especially is. Yeah, you know, I like um, I like this little droid. Yeah, little bucket, you know. With a little helmet, goes around with a little camera on, you know. Exactly. It's great. I, I like this. That's that's R one J five there. Correct. Also called Bucket. Also called Bucket. Now you'll notice I'm choosing a lot of a separatist droids, <laughs> a lot of Confederacy <laughs> droids because they make the best droids. Yeah. You know, B1, well, B2 you say battle that. Droids. Yeah. I think most of mine are. They make all the big droid vehicles, you know, the separatists. Are, yeah. And this is another. This is the IG-100 Magna Guard. Now, you oh, know these guys. Yes, yes. You know the Magna Guard, right? I They've, was. I, I was considering them. Okay. I, I have not picked them. I've gone for the IG-100 Magna Guard. That is most famously known as the bodyguards of General Grievous. Yes. Uh, the IG-100 Magna Guard are armed with uh, an electro staff that yes. allows them to, uh, to fight the Jedi or fight any sort of bladed opponents. And I think there's a couple of variations on them. Um, then there's these sort of super tall droids, really lanky. Uh, they come in, they've got yellow eyes or red eyes. Um, that's sort of their sort of elite level. And they fly really cool starfighters. They fly rogue class, uh, uh, I'm going to say Porax, 38 starfighters. And they're really cool, uh, you know, double winged with, with guns on the front. They're really great. Mm-hmm. And they're able to fight, they're able to keep up with Jedi. And also, you see them in Revenge of the Sith. You see them fight, and yes. everyone chops off the head, and it keeps on keeps on spinning. It keeps on fighting. So you got to really take it apart to to take it down. And I feel like the IG-100 Magna Guard, really elite level droid guard, and I quite I, I feel like they're very impressive, very fearsome, not very scary. Um, talking that sort of binary droid language that they communicate in, yeah. and they're known for being like enforcers on the battlefield as well, but also like protecting like elite level separatists like Dooku and Grievous. Yes. So a little behind the scenes fact, if you actually like. Okay. Um, the IG-100 Magna Guard was initially concept art for General Grievous. Nice. So the IG-100 was um, a design that was developed to initially be General Grievous because they weren't sure whether he was going to be a droid or not yet. Yeah. So they felt like George was open to him maybe being a droid. So the Magna Guard was sort of a, a, an early concept for Grievous before he was actually repurposed into Grievous's bodyguards. So nice. There we go. And another character that appears in the Skywalker saga. True. So you can play as the Magna Guards in there. True. Very true. Now this is your number one, I believe. Number two. Number two. Okay. Number two. This one you will one hundred percent be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, a guy from Star Wars Rebels earlier. I've also got one from Star Wars Rebels. Okay. This is a, the more obvious choice from Star you Wars got Rebels. Chopper. I have Chopper in okay, mine. Okay. Okay. Have you got Chopper in yours? No. You haven't. <laughs> this is the one that I thought you would have. Right. Chopper, and I'm going to put this out there for anyone who's maybe going to get mad at me for saying this. Okay. Chopper is, in my opinion, the best companion droid. Oh, not what? Not R2-D2? Would you rather have R2-D2, who, granted, is intelligent, has seen the yeah. universe, or would you have Chopper, who's just very sassy? Very and sassy very... little guy. Yeah. He's just... Well, they always said that the Rebels team was... R2-D2 is like a loyal dog. Yes. He's like a dog. He's like a friendly friend, a dog. And Chopper is like a cat. Yes. Chopper's not going to care what you're doing. No. Or Chopper's not going to... just going to be sassy to To the you. point where, and... uh, at one point in Rebels, they find another droid, and he's like, oh, yeah, we should keep him. And Chopper just boots him off the ship. Chop- yeah, Chopper gets <laughs> throws him out. So... <laughs> he's got little arms that he always little puts arm, out. Yeah, little, little, little claws that pops out of the side of his head. So... Yeah, Chopper is a C1 unit. Yes, which is, um, C110P. Yeah, a relative of the, sort of a bit of a relative of the R2 series, yes. so, and the R1s. So, yeah, Chopper was sort of that unique design droid for the Rebel series, and voiced by Dave Filoni, actually, series creator yeah. and creator of the Clone Wars as well. Chopper also uh, has a very, very, very small cameo, or at least a C1 in droid Rogue in Rogue One. Yeah, One. that is Chopper, that is confirmed to be yep. Chopper. He is there. 
that is confirmed to be Chopper. So he's 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 milling about yamming base yeah, he's, he's... in Rogue One. And well, the ghost there, the ghost shows up in the battle as well in the back yeah. of Scarif, and it's at the back of the sort of Yavin base, so you can see the ghost is there. So Rebel, and they, I think there's a one of the announcements says like there's an announcement to Yavin base that says like paging General Sindula, and that's General Hera Sindula. So mm. she does exist as well, and we do see Chopper in live action yes. moving about in the Yavin base. So correct. I like Chopper. He goes like dot, 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 dot. he like says words, but yeah. he's not really. You can't really hear him. So he's in man- this little garbled droid voice. Now, this is a character that, mm-hmm. like Mr. Bones, yeah. has got. This is my number one. Is it? Is it a named character? Yes, that's ah. got infamy recently. Oh. Right, thanks to the Skywalker saga. Okay. Okay. This is a droid that's called Nobot, also called the Ghost Droid. Okay. And this is a three PO series protocol droid that's um, coloured in sort of grey and black and appears on in Mos Espa in, in, on Tatooine. Now, it, this was um, initially an extra character in um, The Phantom Menace and there was a fan contest to give him a name and give him sort of a backstory. So, this is, is this droid is sort of under many tales of infamy of what happened to it, a bit of a mystery, mm. right? There he is. So, yes... I've got, I've got him up. And Jira, a friend of Anakin Skywalker, the old woman who yeah. tells him about the sandstorm that's coming in Phantom Menace. Yes. Um, Jira would tell um, her version of the tale of what happened to uh, what happened to Nobot. They say one day he strolled, he, ru- he walked into town. This this protocol droid covered in mm-hmm. covered in blaster fire and blood. He's, his serial number's been scored off. No one knows what happened to him. Right. But the only thing you can play back is the sound of a woman screaming, crying mm-hmm. for help. That's the only sound he plays. He just walks around, and no one knows who he is. And then he just repeats it over and over again. It's dark no. stuff. But but it's gained recent um, yeah. acclaim because there's a side quest in okay. episode one of when you played Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, that Nobot appears in. Oh, There's a room where you can go, and he's just in there, and then he runs out. And then you have to kind of follow him through the, follow him through the city. Okay. So, it's a bit of a weird one. No, but yeah, I just really like it because it's just, it's really strange and really sort of, and there's a bit of a mystery to it. And I quite like, um, I quite like that element, especially for, um, especially for Star Wars. We've never really get anything like that. Mm. So it's kind of like a bit of a horror, a bit of a sort of a thriller element to Star Wars with this sort of, all these tales of surrounding this droid and what happened to it. And the only thing it can play is this sort of screaming from this person who probably, probably died. And he's covered in blaster marks and blood, and it's, and I really like. I I sort of feel like I suppose I don't like it, but I I feel like I'm intrigued by the potential and by the possibility of this of this character. Nice. So that's my number one. That is my uh, top droid, Nobot. My number one is not a character. Okay. It is a uh, a, a class of droids. Mm-hmm. Now everyone in Star Wars knows. That you have droids that um, are made more for tasks, right? Your, your medics, your mouse droids. Mm-hmm. Now everyone loves the gonk droid. Yes. Which was I was going to mention, but everyone uh, gonk. gonk is an obvious choice for people's favourite droids. Gonk droid almost made my list. It almost made my list as well. Um, and I saw something and thought, you know what? That's like the gonk droid, but potentially a bit better. And no one mentions it. Okay. My number one pick is the CLL8 binary load lifters. Oh, the load lifter. For one reason and one reason only. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do not give them a task to do, they're made to lift heavy things, if you couldn't have guessed, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do not give them a task to do, mm-hmm. they will just stack boxes and keep stacking boxes <laughs> until the floor caves in, yes. and then they fall to the floor below and continue to stack boxes. <laughs> they are idiotic, yes. and they're great. I love them. <laughs> That's why it's my number one. It's just a big three meter tall forklift that just mm. stacks boxes until the floor caves in. I like to imagine that on one ship, there's been at least one ship where there's just been a hole in the floor because it's just kept stacking just boxes. Stacking all the boxes, yeah. <laughs> Is the, the 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 load lifters are a really interesting type of droid because um, obviously in they were named in episode four when C3PO tells Uncle Owen that his first job was programming binary load lifters. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, they were made for. Um, Sort of walk around and perform tasks like sort of engineering and, and fixing things, but they will just stack boxes. Yep. They're made for cargo transport and there's just some heavy duty level of droids. So 
they're, they're class five droids. We did we, we talked about um sort of the class uh the classing of the classification of droids. Yes. And how they're sort of uh how they're uh classed via their sort of tasks. So they're like uh, construction droids and and uh, attack droids and things like that and combat droids. And then there's the more slightly le- lower level ones like the R two D twos and the uh, and the C three pos and the protocol droids. So yeah. I like the bi- the binary load. That's a good that's a good pick. Nice little deep cut pick there for the binary yes. load lifter. And from the binary load lifter, okay. From the droids, mm-hmm. we move on to the ships. Capital ships. Yes, we move on to capital ships. Now we have a variety of capital ships here through all eras. Mm-hmm. Now I've said that this is the same. This is the same type of loadout. We're looking at yeah. uh, all media, so that's comics, films, TV. The shows open. It's in Star Wars. We can classify it here. Yes. So. I'll kick it off. Go for it. The Harrower class Sith Dreadnought from the Old Republic. I do not have that. Okay, now this is one that we did last time. Mm-hmm. Now this is a bit of a lost episode for us. We did do uh, capital ships beforehand, and unfortunately, it didn't make it to air. So, but this will make it to air, and this is the Harrower class Sith Dreadnought as part of the um, as part of the sort of larger series of uh, Star Destroyers. And the Harrower is one of the uh, mainline ships in the Sith fleet back in the Old Republic. So it's got everything. It's got um, it's it uses a battle cruiser. It's got it's got heavily reinforced hull plating. It's got turbo lasers. It's got quad lasers. It's got ion cannons. It can carry ninety five starfighters for the supremacy class of starfighter. And it's got the five docking bays. Its most distinctive feature is sort of the forked edges on the side. It's sort of those big ridges. And in the middle, it's got the hangar bays where it can immediately just shoot out ships. So very intimidating looking. I love the big look of it. Uh, I like the sort of the the gun lines you can see on the front of the Harrower. So there's a great video. I'm going to plug this guy's channel. There's a, a great video by a person called Space Doc who covers a lot of Star Wars ships, especially capital ships. So he does a great video uh, breaking down the Harrower cl- uh, the Harrower class uh, Sith Dreadnought. So go and watch that. So I, I'm a big fan of the ship, a big fan of the Old Republic, especially sort of you see what the modern day Star Destroyers sort of have become and when moving on from the Harrower. So yeah, I quite like the design of this ship. Again, these were, these were mainly aesthetic pieces. Mm-hmm. These weren't sort of effectiveness or whatever. These are things that look cool to me. So, and the Harrower is definitely that. So that is my pick. Okay. My first pick, mm-hmm. I'm going to get the obvious one out of the way. Right. This is the only one that may, well, only one out of another one, maybe somewhat obvious. I'm just going to get out there. Uh, the Executor. Oh, the Executor. Yes. Okay. That's, uh, again, similarly, it just looks cool. The Super Star Destroyer, yeah. This was on my list when, this is one of two that were on my list when we did this before it was lost. Mm-hmm. It just looks, it's just a massive arrowhead that flies. Yeah. That's all it is. Let's ignore the fact that it had one floor that yeah. did cost uh, them, them a lot. You're flying to the bridge. Yes. Let's ignore that. Let's look at it. Mm. It's great. Design-wise, fantastic. This is a big, sleek, sharp-looking yeah, thing. Sharp, nice. Uh, really, inti- really big, really intimidating. There were loads of Super Star Destroyers that were made. Yes. Um, the Executor was the first. Um, I think the Executor was the first in Legends. I mean, there was another one that was made before then um, in canon that was commanded by General Tag, mm. um, who was seen on the Death Star. But, yes, he survived. Nice. Uh, because in Legends, he died on the Death Star. I mean, it would make sense. In canon, he survived. He was the one that went to go investigate uh, Dantooine oh, okay. in Episode 4. So General Tag managed to survive, and he got promoted to Grand General, where he could command all of the Imperial Army. And nice. he got his own uh, Super Star Destroyer. But then they made the, the executive sort of the more successful version of the line. Yes. And there was its, its sister ship, uh, the, the Lusankia, which is my favorite of the executive series of Super Star Destroyers. But, yeah, a great pick. A phenomenal pick. Now, this is a double pick for me. Ooh. I've gone for two. I've gone for the Venator-class Star Destroyer and the Victory-class Star Destroyer. Okay. Now, you'll know the Venator-class Star Destroyer from its uh, ubiquitous use throughout mm-hmm. the clo- three years of the Clone Wars. Uh, unfortunately, it was retired at the end of the Clone Wars when the Republic became the Empire due to the effects of the Tarkin Doctrine. But the Venator-class Star Destroyer was the most impressive series as made by Kuat Drive Yards. Kuat Drive Yards are going to get a lot of love in this uh, in this portion of the episode uh, because they're a great shipwright company and they make massive triangles. So the Venator was mostly seen for sporting its big red stripe where it's got the big hangar bays, the two uh, big bay launch decks on the front of the ship 
and the sort of eight turbo lasers it carries at the back with its double bridge, dual bridge design, you see. One bridge handles uh, Starfighter strategy and communication, and the other is the command bridge, mm. where it handles battlefield tactics. So, I love the Venator. You've seen so many different variations on the Venator. You've got the red stripe. I've seen uh, Venators that have had sort of the blue decked out as well, have blue paint. I really like the design of the Imperial Venator, where it's all just all grey. Mm-hmm. They've greyed it all out, and they've put some black in there, and the Imperial logo. I really like the design of the Imperial Venator as well. It doesn't get enough love, I don't think. But that's the one thing, if I made ever made a piece of Star Wars media, I'd have to find a way to put the Imperial Venator in there somewhere. Because I feel like it doesn't get enough love in the Imperial area. Because it would carry it was mainly designed as a Starfighter carrier. And that's not what the Empire wanted. The Empire wanted, you know, big shows of force, we've got big mm. ships and big guns, you know. Whereas the whereas the Venator is mainly focused on carrying Starfighters and carrying bombers and things like that. Yeah. So it wasn't really meant as a ship to ship capital ship, more of a sort of deployment uh a sort of deployment platform. Again, shout out to Space Doc. Watch his video on the Venator. It's great. But yeah, I really like um, the Venator and I wish it got more use in the Galactic Civil War. So, and my second uh, choice is the uh, Victory class Star Destroyer. It kind of looks like a sort of a primitive Imperial class. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, it's got that sort of framework and this is the Victory 1, by the way, not the Victory 2. Uh, because I know there is two versions. The Victory 1 class Star Destroyer is a bit more basic, a bit more slimmed down. It looks like sort of a, a bit of a thin, tall Star Destroyer, I believe, an Imperial class. So it's got that um, It's got that framework. It's got that sort of, sort of double sensor towers. It's got the... Uh, what I really like is it on the sides, it's got these sort of extended uh, platforms, and they sort of jut out from the sides of it, and they've got sort of barrages on there. So I quite like the look of the uh, Imperial and uh, the Victory class Star Destroyer. So this is the uh, Imperial Victory class Star Destroyer, the Victory 1 class, and the Venator. Nice. I nearly put uh, the Acclimator on my list. Oh, wow. Okay. Nearly. I did not. Um, That would have been a strong pick. It would have been. I was going to pick... I was going to do something else next, but I feel like this makes sense. You mentioned the Imperial class Star Destroyer. Okay. What's better than one Imperial class Star Destroyer? How about... Two of them put together. No, not the Gemini. <laughs> I picked the Gemini <laughs> from Star Wars Visions. No, okay, well... I said to you before, I was like, this is my one that I think technically counts, because technically this might not have been one, but it's, it is a, it is a capital ship. Yes, it's it two is. of them. It is a capital <laughs> ship. I'll give you that. The Gemini <laughs> class started right. is a capital ship. It's just two of them. It is. Put together. It's just two Imperial Star Destroyers fused together by what's called a, a hyper cannon. Yes. Which is a, uh, a sort of a massive. I think it's. I don't know whether it's supposed to be given like kyber crystal death star technology, and it's able, but it's able to fire through hyperspace. I yeah. think that's the that's the gimmick. It's able to fire through hyperspace, so it can hit something systems away. Um, yeah, the Gemini class star destroyer was was made by the twins, the Sith twins, after the Sith Eternal, because this happens after in well, far in the future. Yeah. So it is two sort of repurposed, refitted um, Imperial two class star destroyers. Uh, fused together by a hyper cannon. So uh, I wish this was canon. We don't yeah. know whether Legends, we don't know whether Visions is canon yet, but this design is so unique and it hits so many boxes for me of having two huge ships sort of put together with this massive super weapon. It's such a, it's a gimmick that's begging to be used. I, I also knew you were going to pick, that uh, one of us had to pick the Imperial Class Star Destroyer. Mm. So I thought, I'll pick this one because it's a bit different. <laughs> it's different yeah, enough. I haven't thought about the Gemini in a long time, so I'm glad you brought that up, actually. It was like the first one that came to my head. <laughs> yeah. The first ship that popped up. I haven't up. thought about that in a while, so it's nice to see that design again. It's but a great design. Next, I have the... This is the... You might not know this. This is the Keldarbe-class battleship. And this is a man. This is a Mandalorian vessel. So I didn't know... This is the one that is sort of the newest to me, Right? Because I didn't know much about this. I was looking for... I wanted. I knew I wanted some sort of old Republic Mandalorian ship in there. There's one that's coming up next that is like that. But this is the Keldabe-class battleship. Um, also called the Keldabe-class cruiser. Mm-hmm. And was used in the Galactic Civil War um, by the Mandalorians and by Tybazan. And Tybazan is an infamous Legends character. This is a legend source. And he's a male crime lord um, from Anaxis who rose during the Galactic Civil War and has a faction known as the Zahn Consortium, and he sort of seeks revenge against the against the Imperials for sort of outcasting him. So, 
he forms his own uh, criminal empire, his own faction, and he uses these uh, sort of Mandalorian vessels called the Kuldabe class battle cruisers. Mm-hmm. And of course, Mandalorians they know how to make things. Yes, correct. so it's got a great class two hyperdrive. Uh, it's got twenty five heavy turbo lasers. It's got ion cannons. It's got uh, mass driver missile launchers. It's stacked out, and we know the Mandalorians' weapons are their religion. Mm. They come up with loads of stuff. It's um, the Kuldabe class was made by uh, Mandal Hypernautics, and it was used as a um, it was used as a cruiser and a um, a battleship to sort of enforce blockades and things like that. So I'm, I also I'm a big fan of the design of the ship and the next one as well. I really like how they sort of impr- in, use like sort of Mandalorian helmet designs mm-hmm. and it's very it's very angular. It's very rectangular. Okay. So I quite like the, this is a Kildare Bay class battleship and that's my that's my pick. Nice. I'm going to my next pick is uh, it's a personal ship. Okay. Um of someone who we've not ever, I don't think, spoken about. I've not spoken about enough. Okay. This guy knows a trap when he sees one. Oh, no. I've I've picked the home one. Oh, wow. Okay. The home one. Nice. Famous, famous ship, Mon Calamari famous ship, Mon- Admiral, Admiral Admi- Akbar. Admi- yep. It's, it's just a, I don't know, I, I saw it. The home one. I saw it and I thought, oh, that's a bit different. Yeah. Oh, it's a bit, a bit. Mon Calamari Cruisers. I feel like I was destined to put. I'm, there's not Mon Calamari Cruiser on this list. Okay. I was like, I, I hope. I thought to myself. <laughs> I hope he puts a Mon Calamari Cruiser in there. Yeah. Because it's you know the MCATA massive. Like, yeah. These were designed to be like cities yes. on Mon on Mon Cala on their planet. It was designed to be like huge buildings on that would go under the water and that could take off as ships. So, I really loved the design of any Mon Calamari vessel. Even if like the MC80 or the MC90 or even the Radus from um, from from uh, the Last Jedi is a great another example of a Mon Calamari ship that works. And the Admiral Admiral Radus has um, mm-hmm. his cruiser as well with that massive long bridge that's at the bottom of it. So I like that one as well. So yeah, I, the Mon Calamari cruisers are always going to be are always going to be a great always going to be a great pick. It's just a bit different. The profundity, that's what it's called. I was looking for the nice. It's called the profundity. <laughs> and it is Admiral Radice's uh, lead command ship in the Battle of Scarif. Interesting. And it's an MC-75, not an MC-80. It's an MC-75 Mon Calamari cruiser. I do also there. want to point out, we're like halfway through and we've still not picked something that both of us have had yet. We're, we're doing well. We are now. doing well. Next is two, but they're kind of connected. Okay. Next I have the Kandosi-type Dreadnought. And the Dreadnought class heavy cruiser slash star frigate. Do not have them. Okay. The Kandosi type Dreadnought is another Mandalorian vessel. And the reason why I picked two is the uh, the Dreadnought class heavy cruiser is based on the Kandosi type Dreadnought. So they're kind of a successor. The, the, the Dreadnought heavy cruiser is a successor to the Kandosi type, right? And you can read the, the Kandosi Dreadnought is very recognizable for its, for its front prow, for its sort of huge, uh, for its angular nature. It looks like a big sort of block with things stuff sticking out of it. It's got that green blink. I love that in Star Wars. In Star Wars, things are just covered. It's just covered in stuff. Like there's little bits. There's little notches. There's little things that come out the side. There's things that come out this side. There's yeah. huge sort of engine pods everywhere. I love that design of Star Wars. That sort of weathered, greebling style of where there's just little bits and little little details where it looks it looks practical. Yeah. It looks like it's actually there. Yes. And that's what I love in Star Wars. I love that design of that world where everything's just kiboshed and kitbashed together. <laughs> and I really enjoy that. So that is the Kandosi type dreadnought. It was um, it was something used by the Mandalorians in the Mandalorian Civil Wars, where the sort of the, the factions of Mandalorians fought each other back in the time of the Old Republic. So I really like the Kandosi type dreadnought. And the most famous um, of the dreadnought class heavy cruiser is the uh, Katana fleet used by uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who's my uh, favourite. Well, probably is my favourite Star Wars character, right? So. That's why I picked those two, the Kandosi type Dreadnought and the Dreadnought class heavy cruiser. Again, shout out to Space Doc, watch his video on the Dreadnought class heavy cruiser. It's a great breakdown of the ship's um, of the ship's uh, shortcomings, pros and cons, and its sort of armament and how it's probably more effective than a Star Destroyer in a fleet. Nice. So, yeah, that is my. And also, the reason why I like the Dreadnought class heavy cruiser is it doesn't look like it doesn't look like anything the Imperials have. It doesn't have that sort of very wedge-shaped Kuat Drive Yard design because um, it's um, made by Rindelli Star Drive, who sort of make um, sort of very odd-looking things. I feel like they're behind the um, 
they're behind some of the more uh, unique starships. So the, the Hammerhead, remember the yes. Hammerhead class grid for yes. Rogue One, that's main Daily Star Drive, and also um, Dreadnought class Heavy Cruiser. Nice. So that is uh, my pick. And what is yours for next? I'm taking us uh, Legends again. Back to Legends. And uh, I'm taking us to a Terminus-class destroyer. Oh! A modified Terminus-class destroyer. Okay. I'm going for the Ascendant Spear. Wow, wow, okay, you got names. Are you aware of the Ascendant Spear? I'm aware of the Terminus-class. Okay. The Ascendant Spear is a Terminus class that has been modified okay. with a class 0.5 hyperdrive. It's right. the fastest hyperspace compared to other capital ships. Yeah, yeah. It can also be driven by uh, through bionic implants. Okay. So the, the essentially a person can control the whole ship with like wow. their fingers and their hands. Yeah, nice. It's just a massive, really fast the Terminus ship. Terminus class is, um, is an amazing ship anyway. It's yes. defines this huge sort of wedge, it's this massive long wedge in space yeah. with the wings and it's what I described with the with the Kandosi. It just looks like it's been kitbashed from bits together like oh we've got this bit here and that bit there and we'll form it together something that looks like a ship. It looks like it's just a big ruler. Also, yeah. uh, it even mentions here uh, it's capable of cutting a hammerhead class cruiser cleanly in half. Nice. <laughs> nice. Take it's, that. Yeah, it's just a big Darth. ship um, that was used by Darth Carriage Darth Ca- yeah. to wipe out Republic fleets. There we go. Or Sif ships. The Terminus class Star Destroyer. So, for my for my pick, mm-hmm. I've gone back into the Clone Wars, and I've gone to ship you will know most likely. Okay. Uh, it is the Providence class Dreadnought Carrier Destroyer, and you know the Providence. You're nodding yes. your head. It yes. is uh, the big needle-like ship, uh, big flagship of the Separatists, and it's mainly used. The most famous is probably uh, the Invisible Hand, used by General Grievous. Mm-hmm. Uh, previously owned by Newt Gunray, but the uh, the Providence-class Dreadnought was the mainline uh, capital ship, command ship, for the Separatist Alliance. Used in many famous battles, like uh, the Battle of Lower Seiyu, the Battle of uh, Coruscant, that was led by the Invisible Hand, and uh, Dooku as Providence-class, uh, Ventress uh, commanded one as well, as well as General Grievous, so... Yes, the Providence class is a very famous and very infamous capital ship across the three years of the Clone Wars, and I really I love I love the sort of needle shell design of it. it. Looks really thin, and it's got that really tall command spire at the top. And there's sort of a bit at the bottom as well, so it looks like the command spire runs the entire length of the top of the ship. Yeah, and you see that sort of frontal bridge as well. It's got the double bridges, so I like that, and it's covered in bristling weapons I love all the spines and spikes coming off it that's great detailing and again the key to the Star Wars ship is just make it look like a mess mm-hmm. you know it just looks like a bunch of bits and it looks a bunch of bits and it's all put together but it works the design works the sort of outer shell design really looks great so that is my pick for number one it is the, uh, the maybe I'll just maybe I'll just pick the invisible hand to be honest it's the most famous of the Providence class dreadnoughts. So, and there's two versions of the ship actually. There's a standard um, Providence class carrier, and there's the Providence class dreadnought, which is just a souped-up version mm-hmm. of the main ship, just a bigger version. So, we have been close again. Okay. I have not picked the Invisible Hand. Okay. I have picked the Malevolence. Oh. Grievous's other ship. Grievous's other command <laughs> ship. Okay. <laughs> Um, I was sat there and he said, oh, I agree with this ship. And I thought, oh, here we go. But no, I've picked the malevolence. Okay. Essentially, similar thing. It's a big, threatening looking ship. Yeah, it's a big, scary looking <laughs> ship. It's yeah. spiky. It's just, oh, it's beefy. It's got, like, it's got that huge ion cannon. Yeah. The malevolence. Yeah. This is, a- this is what I would want. I wouldn't want a ship that's like, you know, I want it to look threatening. I want mm. people to see it. And just to Looks cower scary. and fear. Yeah, exactly. You want ships as a sort of dwarf yeah. with a fleet, and that's what the Malevolence is. The Malevolence was probably rivaling the Super Star Destroyer, rivaling the Eclipse class Star Destroyer as the biggest ship ever constructed. Yeah. So, again, I've shout out to uh, to General Grievous. <laughs> yeah. To big up to General <laughs> Grievous to commanding these huge warships. <laughs> so, I did mention, by the way, when we talk about the Providence. Um, yes. Famous Clone Wars character Admiral Trench also used a Providence class. Oh, nice. That's, and I like Admiral Trench. But yeah, back to the Malevolence. <laughs> um, it was compa- I believe the Malevolence was sort of compared to the Bismarck for its yeah. sort of the giant warship that was hunted down by fleets of others. So mm-hmm. I, the 
I believe it's called the Subjugator class. Is that its name? Yes. The Subjugator class heavy cruiser with Correct. malevolence. Yeah. So I don't think many were made either. I only think four or five um, were actually made yeah. of the malevolence. So. Yes, and the design for the thing is absolutely amazing. It looks like a huge, and you can still tell it's a separatist craft because yes. it's sort of shelling, but sort yeah. of the inner, the inner sort of city work in the middle. But you can see all those lights on and things. So yeah, I really like the design of the malevolence. So. That's my, uh, yeah, that's it. That's my number one. So capital ships, great picks. Actually, we've developed a fine fleet, Corey. We have. We've developed a, a very fearsome battle group in those picks. Capital ships, clean sweep. Clean sweep. Droids, clean sweep. sweep. Background characters. Shall we begin? Possibly. We might. Now, we might get through this one as well. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to go with for my top. I'm going to go with Artuus Gunay. Okay. I don't know. Are you familiar with Artuus Gunay? I am not. Right. Artuus Gunay, also called Root Gunay. <laughs> Is a. Okay. Uh, t- <laughs> Before I tell you a bit more about Artuus Gunnar, I'll just say that these are all live action characters, right? Okay. These are all um, characters that have appeared in the films. Yes. Background characters, you might not have seen them. Yeah. Maybe one line, two lines. You won't know these people are. These aren't going to be your Luke Skywalkers and Darth Vader's folks. No. You know, these are going to be a bit different. So, Artuus Gunnay was a Nemoidian member of the Trade Federation. Oh, yes. Who was an aide and advisor to Viceroy Newt Gunray oh, yes. and Rune Harko <laughs> in the final years of the Galactic Republic during the Clone Wars. Well, that's a bit familiar. Right? Yes, he is. Um, so, Root Gunnay, he's no longer with us. He died on Mustafar, killed by Darth Vader. Can I point out quickly? Yes. Root Gunnay sounds like a knockoff version of Newt Gunray. That's exactly why. <laughs> that's exactly why I picked him. Because Root Gunnay is actually, you can re, you can reuse the letters to make Newt Gunray. Great. So. Whoever thought of that, you get a race. George Lucas, give him, <laughs> give him his. Uh, that guy had like five minutes left to think of a name and just forget. Yeah. Gunnay. Root Gunnay. So. <laughs> His full name is, is, is um, Arutus Gunay. Okay. Uh, shortened to Root Gunay. <laughs> Great. Um, and he was in Revenge of the Sith. He also appeared in the background of The Phantom Menace. Okay. So he was played by a chap called uh, Colin Ware, who also played a Lustros Dauphine in Phantom Menace. Um, and there's actually a little fact about his name here, if you'd like to, okay. like to be interested. <laughs> Go on then. Um Gunay's, this is Wik- Wik- Wikipedia, by Wikipedia. the way. Shout out to you, Wikipedia. Uh, Gunay's name is a play on the name of Newt Gunray. Yep. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> and the origins seem to stem from the fact that the otherwise anonymous Nemordian aide in tan robes incorrectly refers to as Newt Gunray in Star Wars <laughs> Revenge of the Sith, the visual dictionary. Uh, the error is partially fixed in Star Wars The Complete Visual Dictionary, where he has where he is identified as Root Gunay. Um, whether or not this is meant to name him as a relative to Newt Gunray is unknown. In uh, the costumes of Star Wars, he is popularly referred to as Root Gunay. Nice. So there we go. And in 2014, the character's full name was revealed as Artuus in Rogue's Gallery, The Devious Nemordians Revealed, an article written by uh, Tim Weekhoven uh, for the 147th issue of Star Wars Insider magazine. So there you go. Nice. The name was given under request of uh, Leland Chi as he wanted an actual name and not an anagram for Newt Gunray. So there you go. Artuus Root Gunay is my pick. I I can't... My first pick does not rival that. Okay. However, my first pick is massively underappreciated. Go on. Right. Can I paint the scene for you, please? Okay. Paint, paint, paint away. Right. Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Right. Rancor Pit. Mm-hmm. Right. If not for this character, oh no, I Luke know Skywalker is, would it? be gone. I know what this. I know what this is. He he technically appears in live action. Part of him appears in live action. Oh no, it's this, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's the skeleton, isn't it's it? It's for skull. Oh, it's the skull. Who is skull? Bidlow Quirve. Bidlow Quirve. Bidlow Quirve. Is that his name? Yeah. Is that his name? That's his name. Bidlow Quirv. Bidlow Quirv. Bidlow Quirv. Who is Bidlow Quirv? Right, Bidlow Quirv is a Corellian pirate and a smuggler who served Jabba Desilogic Tiura. That's probably butchered. Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. A tall, grizzled man with scarred features. Mm-hmm. Now, this guy um, is canon and also expanded on in Legends. Right. Um... He did not like Jabba's top pilot, Han Solo. No, I did not. Uh, and they often clashed. Essentially, what ended up happening was... Um, let me see if I can find it. Thank you again, Wikipedia, for helping me learn about Bidlow Quirve. Yeah, Bidlow Quirve. Quirve discovered a crashed ship in the Tatooine Desert with a live rancor inside. 
Hoping to present the beast to Jabba for his birthday, he sought the aid of Fortuna to help him transport it to Jabba's palace. (laughs) Jabba was impressed with the initiative shown by his two top lieutenants and offered to make one of them his new majordomo. The other would be given the great honour. Yes. Jabba did not specify what this was. Okay. Quirv, being greedy, accepted the great honour. He became the Rancor's first victim and was devoured in the pit below Jabba's oh. court. The funniest thing is, <laughs> the, Wiki- the Wikipedia picture <laughs> yeah. for Bidlow Quirv is his skull flying towards the button <laughs> in the Rancor pit. Yeah, because that's all he is in all canon. All he is in canon in the body. <laughs> all he is. Bidlow Quirv. <laughs> Poor Bidlow Quirv. <laughs> See, the thing is, right, we mentioned in background characters the fact that we This can... is the most... No, I feel like this tops Root Ganae, yeah. to be honest. Because we mentioned this before. You can pick any one from any scene and they will have a backstory. A body. This it's is a, a skull. This is a skull. <laughs> it's got a whole backstory. Bidlow Quirv. Oh, all right, shout out to you, Bidlow. I feel like Bidlow Quirv may be the steal of this episode, to be honest. If we've oh. done nothing up to this point, we've, yes. we've given Bidlow Quirv yeah. his, minute, his minute in the sunshine, right? Uh, give us more Bidlow Quirv. George Lucas, man. Give us more Bidlow Quirv. Next. I don't think anything's going to top Bidlow Quirv. No, none of mine are going to top here. Quirf. We can stop here. Right, see you next week. <laughs> this is... Um, are you familiar, Corey, with character actor Warwick Davis? Yes. Are you familiar with uh, the sort of legacy in Star Wars of character actor Warwick Davis? You know, Wicket the yeah. Ewok. Again, right? mentioned in Phantom Menace, about four Men- people. Forest, yeah, four people in the Phantom Menace. One of those people... He's called Grimy. Okay, you mentioned. Okay. Yeah, I mentioned him in the Phantom Menace episode. Yep. Um, it's Grimy with an E, and Grimy is actually not his. We don't know what his actual name is, mm-hmm. but it was an on-screen nickname given to um, the character played by Warwick Davis um, on in Mos Espa shortly before the Boon to Eve classic that was just walking in the background of Qui Gon and Padme and Jar Jar heading towards the shop in Mos Espa. Watto shop, just a guy walking in the background. And the story behind this, behind Grimy, is that the picture was captured of uh, Warwick Davis just in this costume, and it was a nickname given to him by um, fan groups on sort of forums speculating about the Phantom Menace. And they thought he'd be some kind of, they thought he'd be some kind of revolutionary character, right? They thought he'd be some kind of great uh, guest star for Warwick Davis. No, he's just in the background, walking in the background. (laughs) And he's just called Grimy, and that's just his name. Um, but the story behind Warwick's appearance in this scene is just he was on set one day. You know, he just walked on, he was just on set, you know, looking around. And George Lucas said, hey, we'll dress you, we'll give you some makeup, dress you up in these sort of intergalactic backpacker clothes, you know, put a rag over your head. Yeah. And you can just walk across the back of the, just walk across the, uh, walk across the back of the, back of the scene. That's what he did in Tunisia. Warwick was just on, on set that day. And George Lucas said, sure thing, come along. And... Had him walk across the back of the step. Nice. So there you go. That is grimy. Grimy. So my next one, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to keep it Phantom Menace. Okay. Uh, now, he's not a background character in the sense of you might not see him. You do see this guy, but it's not really expanded on. Right. Uh, my pick is Ben Quadraneros from the Pod Ben race. Quadraneros. I wanted to pick someone from the Pod Race. Right. His design intrigued me. Mm. Um, essentially... I mean, backstory-wise, it's what you expect. He's a guy who's a racer, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's his backstory. He races, he makes his way up the leagues, gets to that race and fluffs it because his car doesn't start. Yeah, his racer doesn't start. His engine starts right as it detaches and boom, fireworks. Everything flies, yeah. Now, after Phantom Menace, in canon, uh, he actually becomes the Bulba's biggest rival, okay. apparently. He okay. becomes the Bulba's greatest rival, and at some point does end up winning that race. Wow. At least Bulba once. Ben Quadraneros. There's a comeback story if you want one. You know what? It goes out to you, Ben Quadraneros. You've... He's <laughs> your Ben. He's confirmed his Ben. Yeah, that is a weird name. Ben Quadraneros. <laughs> okay. It's because he's got four arms. He's a... Yes. And his pod has four... Uh... I remember, because it, it like blinks off, and then it all shoots out everywhere. Yes. So... We have Ben Quadraneros. Are you familiar with Tessic? No. Tessic is a Quarren who was the accountant for crime lord Jabba the Hutt. And Tessic was in the background of Return of the Jedi. And he was a um, he was Jabba's bookkeeper. So he took advantage of his position to uh, embezzle money for, from Jabba and try and assassinate him and take over his, his criminal empire. So... Jabba was aware of uh, of Tessic's sort of schemes, 
and they were revealed to him by the Beaumont monks and he wanted and he just kind of kept Jessica around because he was smart and he sort of knew what he was doing so mm-hmm. he was actually involved with the Empire at some point as well but he's just a background character in Return of the Jedi and I quite like the look of him he's also there was an error in uh, Legends that compared him to uh, the Separatist Senator for uh, for Dak at that time which was Mon Cala under Quarren Rule called uh, Tikius. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that Tech, that um, that Tessic and Tikis are two um, are two separate characters. Okay, it's just because in the rough draft for the Attack of the Clones script, Tikis was named Tessic. Nice. And the version, and that was the version used in the novel uh, Cloak of Deception, which is a I think a prelude to Episode Two. Um, it, he's, he's called Tessic and not Tikis, um, but it's Tessic that appears in the book. And the, but the Tessic is actually presumably now Tikas. <laughs> so it's assumed that Tikas okay. was under alias as Tessic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Great. So there you go. Two very similar... I like how the story of Tarak Ferry, two very similar names can get mixed up. Yeah. So yeah, my pick is, is Tessic. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm keeping it. I'm uh, sp- spaceport cantina, man. Tatooine. Okay, right. I've keeping got one from the Tatooine cantina as well. So I wonder if it's the same person. Okay. Who have you got? So uh, my guy is man. It's male, by the way. Okay. Goes by two names. Okay. He's got one really easy name, one really mm-hmm. really long name. He's got Labria mm-hmm. and uh, Cardu Simalek. Cardu Simalek. He is the devil man, oh. essentially. Red face, black horns. The Devaronian. Yes. And he's just in the background. He's an chilling. infamous criminal, isn't he? He's he like, is. Yeah. But at that point, he's called Labria. Labria. He's yeah. not a criminal. No. But no, in fact, he has Cardu Malik. He's a very, very deadly spy. Yes. Uh, essentially, he's just a really evil man. He's in the background. Of, <laughs> yeah. He's in the background. Again, of... in canon, he's just a spy. In again, legend, he's got a massive backstory. He ends up being uh, found out and is eaten alive. Yeah. Um, Boba Fett finds him, I believe. Okay. I think. With Boba Fett's Can on I his tail. Malik. Yeah, he's hiding out in the cantina in Charmin's Space Cantina. Yes. You see him for a shot, don't you? See the Devil Man looking yeah. around. You know, he's a Devaronian. To be fair, design-wise, I know uh, it's I know yeah. it's simple because it's a, it's a devil, it's a bit obvious, but he is a bit creepy and he's a bit. Yeah, the Devaronians have actually got a bit of love nowadays because a Rebels character as well called Visago, who is oh, a okay. Devaronian as well. So the Devaronians have actually got a bit of uh, got a bit of acclaim recently. Hmm. So, Corey. Okay. Are you a sand trooper? Uh, I don't think so. Are you looking around Tatooine looking for those pesky droids? Oh, always ta- where's a Tatooine again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you? Can't you find the droids? <laughs> Are they not the droids you're looking for? They're not. Are you looking around the desert in your landing craft or on your dubai? Where is this looking going? Looking for the droids. Then you, my friend, might know Davin Felf. Imperial Sand Trooper, a.k.a. Mr. Luxur Droids. Right. Now, you'll know the scene in episode four. Yes. The Sand Troopers are down around yes. the escape pod. I'll do a dramatic reenactment, perhaps. The Sand Trooper turns around and he goes, someone was in the pod. The tracks go off in this direction. And then suddenly someone pops up from out of screen holding a piece of C-3PO and he goes, Luxur Droids! <laughs> That's Davin Felf. Right. He is Now, Mr. Luxur Droids um, was a Sand Trooper on the Tatooine garrison. Um, a part of the five of first sent down by Lord Vader to find R2-D2 and C-3PO. He was in the desert. He pops up and he says, look, sir, droids. He's also part of the sand troopers that go into the cantina, actually. Okay. And scope out the booth where Han Solo is looking for Obi-Wan and Luke, but don't find him. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, Davin Felf. And he's just a... I like how any random stormtrooper with a line is given a name and a bit of backstory. So... That's him. That is uh, that's Davin Felf. I quite like him. Nice. Uh, I'm going to take us to the sequels. Right, take us away. Um, I'm taking us to The Force Awakens. Okay. I'm taking us to a guy who has an intimidating look, has a potentially cool backstory. Okay. Uh, and from what I remember of The Force Awakens, isn't really used much. Right. Because my many names. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's called the uh, the Red Raider. The oh. Silent Scourge of the Lost it's, Clusters. It's Blood Buccaneer. Crimson Crosshair. It's Side Sidon Ithano. Correct. Now this man It's not actually Crosshair, it's Corsair. Oh is it? A Corsair is like a pirate. Ah. Crosshair sounds better. Oh. It's not it's even spelt like sa- Crosshair. Yeah, I know, that's me being that's me reading it wrong. Yeah. But I it's cause he's gonna gonna shoot you okay yeah he's got a rifle yeah 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 um but this guy right first off 
he's wearing a helmet from the race of General Grievous. Yeah, from a Kalish helmet, <laughs> yeah. He's not a uh, Kalishian, he's a Delphidian. Delphidian, yeah. Um, he's just a guy in red who's like a pirate he's and like looks a, menacing. He, lo- he looks great. And I'm fairly certain he does, does, does nothing. No, no, I feel like he's 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 <laughs> two of he's sort of the mercenaries that Finn tries to hire so he can leave the planet, so yeah. he can leave Takodana, and that's it. Yeah. And then Finn doesn't even leave. Finn's running back into the battle, and they yep. just go off. Yes. So this guy's been given backstory after backstory from novels and things like that. Yeah. Um, he even appears in he appears in an episode of Resistance as well. Oh, is he? Giving yeah, giving super battle droids to the pirates that want to invade the Colossus station. And even then, he doesn't do much. He just <laughs> turns up in the ship and goes, "Here's some super battle droids," and then nice. he leaves. So, yes, and you'll know the um, you'll, you might know the Delphidian. Um, mm-hmm. They are um, a series of uh, sort of blue-skinned aliens, and very famous for their uh, famous for their pirate skills. So, yeah, it's been across. Um, it's been across the the sequel trilogy, and there's a great um, short story called "The Crimson Corsair and the Lost Treasure of Count Dooku." Which is great, where he actually finds a clone. He actually finds a clone from the Clone Wars. Uh, mm. Kicks, and he unfreezes him, and Kicks sort of joins the crew with Sidon and Thano. So. Yes, uh, that's a great pick. I thought like that's a very strong pick. Who's your final pick? My final pick is. Do you like going back to Tatooine? Uh, do you, do you like my final was Tatooine as well. Right, do you like <laughs> going a lot to of Tatooine. Tatooine. Do you like going to <laughs> Charman's Space Cantina and sitting in a booth? Okay. Behind someone. Sure. Right. Okay, who you got? Are you Trinto Duaba? I don't know who that is. Okay. Trinto Trinto Duaba yep. is a background character from episode four, A New Hope. And he is you'll know him because he has his very sort of aged face, looks like an old man. Mm-hmm. He just looks like an old effectively in episode four he looks like a man in a mask. Right. He looks like a man in a weird, creepy creature mask with a with a scarf around his head. And Sort of sitting in the background, sitting behind um, Mo, um, Mo Monado, I think his name is, the hammerhead guy. Yeah. He sits behind him, right? And you'll also know him from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, God. He's in there. He's in the background <laughs> when B. Arthur's dancing around, singing to everybody. Nice. Going, you can't close the cantina. You know, that's he's there. He's in the background there. Um, he's also, strangely enough, this guy, he's in The Force Awakens. Oh, is he? He's in Takodana in the same place where Sidon and Thano is. He's in the bar. Great. He's there as well. So this guy, he's going around the galaxy. You wonder why why he appears in so many places. Now, relatively, he looks relatively normal, mm-hmm. actually, in um, in The Force Awakens. That's because they use less prosthetics on him because they got the actual actor back from episode nice. four to play him. So they got the same guy to play Trinto Duaba from episode four who just sat in the background with wearing the mask. Yeah. And the funniest thing is, um, the mask that he's actually wearing is <laughs> the mask he's actually wearing is a is a um Frankenstein's monster mask. Oh. Very nice. So he's wearing sort of a repurposed <laughs> Frankenstein's monster mask, sat ba- sat in the background of the cantina. It's Trinto Duaba. Correct. So um I'll na- I'll um I'll name the man himself. Um, Go for it. One second. Bing, 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 bing. There we go. There we go. Um, uh, a guy called Salo Gardner. There we are. There we go. Portrayed him. So that's in both episode four and in the Force Awakens. Nice. So good for him. And he's a his his race is called a Stenin's Shifter, and he's from Stenaros. So there we go. Right. Well, my final one again. Uh, do you like Tatooine? We're back in Tatooine. Are we back in the cantina? <laughs> uh, he is, does not appear in the cantina. Okay. Um, he does leave from a ship from okay. Mos Eisley. However, now I explained this guy to you before. I know you know who this is because I've had a conversation about him before. Okay. Uh, now this man is a Jawa. Right. Jawas, right? Of a little small hooded Houdini. thing. Yep, that's exactly. We go Houdini in a really high pitched voice. This is a Jawa called Jot. Jot the Jawa. Jot the Jawa. Now, Jot is a male Jawa, mm-hmm. um, and his whole job was to essentially any droids that were captured, he was supposed to wipe the memories, right? right. Get, get rid of the memories, wipe them clean. Before he would wipe the memories, he would sit down with a projector and watch all okay. the memories of the droids, dreaming of going to space, kind of like Anakin. Yeah. R2-D2 comes in, mm-hmm. and here comes Jot, we're going to wipe R2-D2's memory, yeah. and just essentially watch his Star Wars. 
Watches all of Star Wars. Watches all the events happen and goes, yeah. you know what? I can't wipe this memory, so I'm going to not wipe R2's memory. Yeah. And I'm instead uh, going to leave Tatooine on a ship for Mos Eisley before Mos Eisley essentially gets destroyed. Yes. <laughs> so he's alive still, somewhere in space. He's Jot. somewhere. Now, we know this is really weird because Jot is a character from a certain point of view. Yes. Which is a book about background characters in Star Wars, strangely enough. It's a book told from their perspectives. Yes. From multiple perspectives. From They've done one from A New Hope mm-hmm. and they've done one from um, Empire Strikes Back. Yes. So Jot is in A New Hope as a Jawa. We don't know which one he is. Yeah. But he's one of them. He's there. So <laughs> Jot, I think that counts. I think that counts. It him counts. appearing in live action. He's, he's there. just a Jawa. Yeah. He's just one of the Jawas. Must have been Jot. <laughs> And a good jo- jo- just watches Star Wars, which is really weird. So he knows Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. Yeah. He knows everything. He's seen all the Clone Wars and all the things that R2's seen, he's seen. Yep. And he decides that, no, this droid's too important, doesn't wipe his memory and leaves yep. Mos Eisley. Yep, just leaves. So he survives when all of his... He does. When the Sandcrawler's attacked by Imperials <laughs> and he survives. He's somewhere out so there. So Jot is somewhere out there. What happened to Jot? We no idea. never know. Give us the answers. That's what but we want. We, that is... Jot. I feel like Jot is a nice way to end yeah. our, our countdown of our droids, capital ships, and obscure characters. Yes. But for a weekly wreck mm-hmm. this week, what do you have for it? So, um, we've talked about droids. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to recommend droids for TV series. You, you say that every time. Yep. Um, but <laughs> I've not seen it, that's why. Also, apparently, it's not good. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, Disney Plus. If you, you know, if you're gonna watch all your, all your Star Wars, right? Yes. It's on Disney Plus, and I thought I was, go- I was googling what's on Disney Plus, right? What what we got on Disney Plus, and apparently, on Disney Plus is for film robots, right? With Robin Williams, <laughs> they're like droids, kind of. It's robots. a nice, it's a nice little comedy with okay. Robin Williams, and I can't remember who else is in it. I just remember Robin Williams doing a weird Scottish accent as a red robot, right? Okay. Whose uh, head gets kicked off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a comedy. Strangely enough, do you know who's in robots? Robin Williams. Ewan McGregor. <laughs> oh, is he? Yes. Okay. Yeah, You've I knew got that. Obi Wan in that. In Ewan McGregor. In Ewan McGregor himself. Obi Wan Kenobi. Well, there's your connection. There's your connection. There Hello it is. There. He doesn't save that in the film, unfortunately. Well, he. I don't know what his mate is. Cut. I remember is Robin Williams and the big. Round. The big roll one. Yeah. One. That's Mel Brooks, that is. Yes. Big Weld. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> big Weld. Big Weld, Mel Brooks. is <laughs> got... Yeah, Ewan McGregor, how could you not know? It's Ewan. I mean, it's just a good film. Starring in Kenobi on May the 27th. Yes. Go and watch that when it comes out. We will be covering that. We will be, of course we will. But, um, um, yeah, Robots. Go and watch that. Robin Williams, Hugh McGregor, Mel Brooks, Big Weld. Big Weld. <laughs> what are you, you going to give it for a real rating? I am going to give it... Ah, well, it's Robots 2005. It can't be anything slack. Uh, oh, okay. You want me to go big, do you? No, don't go that big. We'll go big enough. I'll go eight. Uh, what, what? Is that big enough? Big Weld. <laughs> big, wow. Big Weld. Big Weld. Right. Well, Big Weld, <laughs> that will be the end of this episode. So yes. I hope you enjoyed very much. Um, we'll be coming back to you next week with the rest of Moon Knight and then more things from our May the 4th celebratory Star Wars month. So exactly. we hope you've got a good time. Uh, it is goodbye from me, goodbye, and a goodbye from Corey. Goodbye. <laughs>